Well, get your Bibles out and go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Um, again, I got to tell y'all something about my sermons lately. I've been waking up in the morning and God's been talking to me about stuff and it's very, very different than normal stuff that I think about or even prepare for sermons. But for the last two mornings, he's been talking to me about different things. And so what I'm doing, I guess you better hurry and get your money in. Um, so, so he's been talking to me about different things. And one of the things he said this morning was to talk about the two most powerful words in the English language and how to use them. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. Y'all are exciting already. Matthew 16, 24, but we're going to come back and we're going to, and, and I, I need to talk about this first and then we'll get into the words. 16, 24, now listen to this statement. And Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will find it. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory with his Father and with his angels, and he'll reward everyone according to their works. Now, the Lord began to deal with me, and uh, the other day I had, and Huey sometimes watches this on, there's people that watch this on internet, I don't know if y'all know that, there's more people in the room than y'all know. But Huey and Justin and I were out shooting the other day, and, and a good friend of mine, Ross Quintero was there, and Ross is not a Christian. Ross does not go to church. And Ross uh, and Huey, and Huey and Justin, and I just let them do it, ganged up on Ross and, and talked to him about Jesus, and I just stepped back and let him go. I was in there too. I did a little bit, but I, but I wanted to hear from them, and I, I, I let them have some time so I didn't hog the time with Ross. But talking to people who are not born again is interesting. It brings up stuff. It causes you to think about things. And one of them is this. So let me, let me say this. Here's a thing that always comes up. I'm not going to church because it's got hypocrites in it. Well, y'all have heard that. Everybody's heard that. What that basically means is that the people in the church are sinners and so am I. And that's what that means. And since they're all sinners, at least I'm not going to pretend like I'm one and go to church. So, so you, you know, when you stop and you're talking to a person who's not born again, they have all kinds of weird ideas. Did you know that one of the ways to help people is give them truth? Jesus said, you'll know the truth, truth sets you free. So you have to have conversations in order to get truth to surface. The fact is that Jesus is not sending anybody to hell for sending. He's already paid for their debt. And by the fact, now let's think about this for a minute. A person says, well, they're all liars. Well, I had a friend named Gray Bennett one time, and, and I, couldn't, I couldn't talk to him about Jesus until after he'd had at least four or five or six beers. Now, some of y'all may not like my approach, but I wasn't going to stop him from drinking anyway. Sinners sin. Thank y'all. And since he wants to talk about Oral Roberts when he's drunk, well, get drunk. Let's talk about Oral Roberts. You may not appreciate me for that, but that's fine. So him and a, and a buddy of his were sitting around the table one night, and they were just drinking like fiends. And then Gray starts off, that Oral Roberts is stealing money from old women. And I looked at Gray, and I said, Gray is stealing wrong. And he goes, heck yeah. That's not what he said. <laughs> heck yeah, stealing's wrong. I said, Gray, have you ever stole anything? He goes, yeah. I said, well, Gray, you're going to hell. He goes, I guess so. So, so let's get down, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's look at this. What, what is a profit to man to gain the world and lose his soul? And, and this is a thought that I've thought of, and, and it's a thought even though you're born again, all of y'all here tonight are born again. It's a thought, but I want you to think about, but not, not being a sinner. When you're laying in the bed and it's your last day on the earth, what will be important to you? Getting into heaven. 
Mike said it, getting into heaven. See, there's a lot of things that are important, but ain't nothing important. That is the most important thing you'll ever deal with. And you're going to die. And you're going to have to lay there if, unless it's a car wreck or a train wreck or something. And you know, you're in it. Right. And it's so fast, you don't have time to pray the sinner's prayer. So, so anyway, so as you're laying there, there's questions that arise. Where am I going? Then there should be another question. Where's my family going? Where's my wife going? Where's Lisa going? Where are the boys going? Where are the girls going? Where are the grandkids going? And rather than wait till you die to ask the question, why don't you ask it right now? Why don't we place importance on where importance should be? Now, now listen, I'm not saying anything about all the other stuff. That's great. God does not want you sitting around thinking about the day you die all the time and worrying about it all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about for your priority's sake, you need to get your priorities lined up now. If you're laying in the hospital and you were dying today, where are your kids? Where are your family? Where's your husband going? Where's your wife going? And if not, Let's start making that a priority to pray for them, minister to them. And then the other thing is we've all got friends. And we go, well, they're not going to heaven. But, you know, is that a big deal? It is a big deal because going to hell is not cool. So the next question he says, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? So let's think about a sinner right now for just a moment. What do you think they think when they die? Did you know when Nancy died and went to hell, do you know the first thing that she thought of? I'm not dead. And she told me when she was talking about writing the book, and I said, you died. She says, I didn't, I I wasn't dead. She left her body, but she wasn't dead. She was existing outside of her body. And she was more alive than she was in her body. Now, a sinner does not think that at all. They talk about the day they die, and that's the end. There's a period, and there's nothing else. But that's not true. Everybody that's ever lived is still alive and more alive now than they were, either with Jesus or not. Now, I did a sermon years and years and years ago called The First Six Days in Hell. I was sitting at home, and the Lord said this to me, what do you think it's like to die and go to hell? And I said, I don't know, and I don't care to know. I don't want to think about that. I mean, I was, I was kind of bothered that he asked me the question, like, do you think I'm going to hell? What do you think it's like to die and go to hell? But the more I thought about it, I got to trying to think from a sinner's point of view, what is it like? Because 80% of the people that, you, that we know right now are not born again. And they die, and 80% of them think that God would not send me to hell, I'm a pretty good person. So what happens when they die and go, apparently, I was wrong. Is there a do-over? There ain't no do-over. That is a permanent, I cannot undo that stupid thing I did. So have you ever noticed that lost people never think about it? The most important day of your life And they never give it thought. Now, we talked about this one night. Why is that? Because nobody's praying for them. They're lost. They're dead in sin. They're not going to think about those things. You got to pray for them. So let's think about what happens. They start sinking down, 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 and they go, I'm not supposed to be going here. I'm going the wrong way. And, And the fear 
and the rejection and the oh stupid, it hits them like a ton of bricks. And then they think, what did I do? What did I do? And they don't know what they did. They don't know why they're going the wrong direction yet. They're going the wrong direction. They don't know why they're going the wrong direction. They just know, I'm a pretty good person. I went to church. I believed in God. And yet they're still lost. But now, now their thoughts, they, were, they think that all day, all night, all day, all night, all week, all month, all year, for the last 100, 200, 300, 400 years, they're still thinking about it. That's hell. You think about that a minute. But yet there are so many people who don't know. So Jesus makes a statement. What's it profit a man to gain the world? Now, I'm, I'm saying this for this reason. As a born-again Christian, there is nothing in the world wrong with you and I having business, doing business, making money, enjoying life. Is it? Do not make that number one. That should never become number one. Because when you die, you're not going to care about the fishing trip. You're not going to care about your golf game. You're not going to care about anything. So, so Jesus is making this statement. He's talking to some people. What's it profit for you to gain the, the world now, especially young people? That's their primary issue is making money. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's wrong that it's primary. Because they place almost little or no value on church or Jesus at all. Well, I'm telling you what, I'm going to go out and make some money. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're going to make some money. You're going to be in church Sunday? Nope. Uh, I won't be able to be there because. And yet they don't realize that they're doing the same thing a sinner does. They're, they're doing something that is not permanent. Now, I didn't say wrong and I didn't say they shouldn't work. If you man doesn't work, don't eat. But as long as you and I understand that there has to be priorities in your life of what is important, what is second, what is third, what is fourth, and don't ever get that order out. Don't ever make your business more important than your wife or your husband. Don't ever make your wife or your husband more important than God. I don't know whether y'all realize this or not. My first wife looked at me one time and said, choose between me and Jesus. I said, goodbye. How, what do you think a life like, what do you think, do you think that would be enjoyable to be married to a person like that? And I'm choosing you over the will of God. I don't think so. But those are not easy choices. People are constantly asking us to make choices. That we're going to go here in a minute. This is where we're going tonight. You and I have to decide right now what choices you will and will not make in life. All right, let's move on. Is this okay? All right. I'm trying to think of it. Matthew 12, 37. Turn back over there to two pages and let's read this. 12, 37. Now I want you to look at this verse. By your words, you'll be justified and by your words, you'll be condemned. What did Jesus mean by that? Does that mean we run around watching everything we say? No. You're going to, you and I stand before God and we say, it was hypocrite that kept me from church. And so Jesus says, so being a hypocrite's wrong? Yes. Well, son, you just condemned yourself. Because you're a hypocrite. Well, all Robert steals money. Is that wrong? Yes. Do you steal? Yes. See, you don't really realize that we're constantly voicing what we believe. And you got to be very careful that you're not condemning people around you for the thing you do. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So a lost person, they don't really realize they're doing this, 
but that Jesus is not going to stand there and make accusations against them. He's going to play the tape. That guy stole from me. And that's why you didn't come. So I'm going to make a statement to you right now, and I want you to think very, very heavy about what I'm fixing to say. I'm fixing to go real deep. It seems like everybody that I meet that doesn't live right is blaming someone for it. It just, it's crossed the board. Seems to be very predominant. So, so let me ask you this question. When, when Satan fell, what was his reasoning? Wanted to be rule. But, but wait a minute, wait a minute. There's always somebody to blame. Who did Satan blame for his not being number one? God. But let, do you think heaven was nice? So I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you to, th you've got to think about what I'm fixing to say. You have never done wrong for someone else. That's a heavy statement. Even though we say so. Well, and I said this one, I told you this before. I told the Lord one day, I said, Lisa made me mad. And the Lord said, Lisa can't make you mad. You got mad by yourself. Now, what was I doing? I'm blaming Lisa for my anger. And as long as Lisa's the problem, I don't have to do anything about the sin. Are y'all getting this? Okay, I'm trying to show you something here. So the angels fell. What was their excuse? They blamed it on somebody. All right, all right, let's go to the garden. Garden of Eden, nice, fruit trees, flowers, fragrant, air-conditioned. Who's, now, now they did blame God. They blamed God. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the devil. Eve knew Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. But have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed that every time somebody is caught doing wrong, there's always a reason for it. And here's the real reason. It's you. Because nobody can make you do anything. So, most of the time when Lisa and I are talking to people who are married, always comes up, the woman is mad at the husband, the husband's mad at the wife. It's always her fault and it's always his fault. How do you resolve that? Because she'll never be perfect and he won't either. How do you resolve that? What do you do? I'm going to tell you how I did it just for me. I made up my mind a long time ago, no matter what Lisa does or doesn't do, has nothing to do with what I do. Right? I can love her if she's unlovely because God loved you and you weren't so hot. Am I right? Until you get there, you're never going to live for God. So let's go back to the lost person for just a moment. His issue is not hypocrites. His issue is Jesus. Isn't it? It is. You're not going to change everybody in the world. Everybody in the world straightens up and finally quits being a hypocrite and everyone's perfect. Now you're standing there alone, the only imperfect sinner on the earth. Do you really think they're going to change because everybody was perfect? No, they won't. I, I proved that to you. I've just proved it to you. What happened to Judas? Whose fault was that? I mean, I mean, you, you got to understand, you walk with Jesus three and a half years and you, and you walk, that's a really piece of stupid. So here's the issue. No matter what you and I go through in life, 
Your decisions are your decisions. Don't turn them into someone else's fault if you want to have a good life. All right, that's basic, 101. The blaming in America right now is off the chart. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they did. Uh, you, I mean, it's interesting to go to Israel, and, 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 I'm, and I'm very pro what's happening in Israel, and I'll just voice that. Why is it that all of the rockets are being sent from the other side into Israel and never Israel to them? And Israel's the bad guys. So if Israel stopped shooting, would the war end? If the Palestinians stopped shooting, would the war end? Yes. But it's not their fault. And the whole world thinks it's the Jews' fault. It just shows you how absolutely stupid people are. It's just stupid. And the de- that's exactly right. The devil's that way. That's exactly how he thinks and it's how people think. So, so you and so I'm saying all this because we're going to get to the two most powerful words in the world, and I want you to see this Romans one before we go because we get in we need to get into the the, the words Romans one. So I want you to see this because as you begin as we begin to talk about your words, um, where I'm going with this tonight is this: you and I need to make choices on what we will do and what we will not. Thank y'all. What are you going to do? Romans 1.18. Let's read this so that we can see it in our Bible. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Do they know it? Absolutely they know it. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. So is a sinner ignorant? No. They're not ignorant. They know exactly right from wrong. All right, let's prove it to you. Let's just prove it. Let's just because sometimes I think I need to get you guys free from your relatives who are making excuses about why they don't come to church and you are trying to fix the problem, which you're not fixing it. You're not helping them out at all. All right. When I was in Tulsa, there was a talk show host that was on the radio. And the reason I'm listening to this station is because I work in an apartment complex and that's the station they play. And it's an idiot. They play rock music and stuff like that. But every day on the radio, they were making fun of Jerry Falwell, Oral Roberts. I mean, it's just a secular radio station. It's just, but, but the guy had a beef with Jerry Falwell and the moral majority. It's the center. And I wanted to call in and say, where you live, and him tell me while I live at 122 South 155th Street or something. And I wanted him to say, why are you asking? Well, I want to know when you're not going to be home because I want to go get your TV. <laughs> and I know he's going to go, well, you ain't coming over and get my TV. I said, well, then you're not home. I'll come get your TV. Well, why would you want to steal my TV? I said, don't go religious on me. Don't start quoting scriptures to me. You just got through telling me on the radio you don't believe in morality. So, I mean, my God, you can't believe in stealing. Stealing couldn't possibly be wrong, so I want to know where you live. Because I'm coming to get your TV. Anything else in your house I might want while I'm in there? You see, the world believes in stealing. They believe in lying. I mean, you know what's funny? is for them to get on television and trash out Trump because of his marriage and his girlfriends and all of them are queer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, if you want to be gay, that's your problem. You know, you're going to trash out someone for a sin and you're the king of it. Yeah. 
and I don't, I don't, I don't get the, I don't get the mindset that's going on in this Fruit Loops head that they're down on people who do wrong, but they're making fun of Christians who are preaching truth. You understand? The whole thing is as goofy as it can get. But, it, but what it means is they know wrong. They are, they know right from wrong. They're, listen, you don't have to go, see, you don't really have to have that conversation with them. Because their issue is them and Jesus. Their issue isn't Oral Roberts. It isn't Jerry Falwell, and it's not you. And they will tell you it's you. It is not you. Because if you became perfect next week, they still would not change. They'd be mad at somebody else. I had a lady. She came to me one day, and I lived in Tulsa going to Bible school. And she said to me, my husband is like the worst heathen in the world. I hate him. I'm going to divorce him. And I said, well, why are you going to do that? Why don't you pray for him to get saved? She said, would you agree with me for him to get saved? I said, I absolutely will. So I'm agreeing with her for her husband to get saved, and he did. Oh, my God. He came to the church, got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and on fire for God. I came to her one day, and I said, how's your marriage? She goes, I hate it. I said, what's wrong? She said, he's so holy, I can't stand being around him. All he wants to do is read his Bible. All he wants to do is go to church. All he wants to do is talk about Jesus. She said, it's driving me nuts. I said, you know what your problem is, darling? You're a backslidden little heathen yourself. I want him to straighten up, but I don't want to straighten up. See, everybody in the world, are y'all okay? They want you to straighten up, but they don't want to straighten up themselves. They don't want you do as I say, not as I do. All right. So now we're talking about the way the world thinks. All right. Now, they've made choices. Now go to, go to, <laughs> go to um, Isaiah 14. And let's talk about the two most powerful words on earth. I had to say all that to start off to explain to you what happened in heaven with Lucifer and what happened to you and what about the rest of your in my life. Look at this right here. Isaiah 14, verse 13. This is Lucifer. Let me see if I may want to back up. Yeah, go to 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground who weaken nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend to the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high God. The, the most powerful two words in the English language is I will. Or I will not. Now let's stop and think about this for a minute. There is nothing. Now, now listen to me as I say this. And I don't want you to throw tomatoes at me or nothing. Your will is more powerful than God. You want me to prove it? Is it his will that people are lost? No. Are they? How did they achieve that? How could they possibly violate an almighty God? With their what? Their will. Their will. Wow. Say it backwards. Wow. All right. We're going to go positive in a few minutes, but right now let's go negative for a minute to show you the negative side of will. Satan that was the day he, he, he set his future in concrete with his will. He created his own future, didn't he? All right. Let's look at another one, James 4. Let's go negative for a minute. Let's just go negative. I don't, I don't like being negative. And I'm not really, it's not really being negative, but we're going to stay on the, on the dark side, Darth, for a minute. 
Some of y'all didn't even see the movie. You, you're so religious. James 4.13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will. We're going to such a city, spend a year there, spend by itself, profit, going to do this, going to do that, going to do. You don't have any idea what's going to happen tomorrow. What's your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little time, vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. And all such boasting is arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not to him, it's sin. You, you, you and I need to watch very carefully when you say, I will. And because sometimes, listen to me carefully. I will not. We don't say, I will not. We butter it. I can't. Which is a lie because you can, but you won't. We don't say, I won't do that. That's, that's, that's kind of ugly. I'm not able. Well, you are. All right, do you all understand that people invite you to the go to the movies and you go, I can't do that. I, I have another appointment. And we understand that's, we're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're, we're talking about the proper use of your will and, and how to use those words for your benefit. Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. Are you all okay? Now, now you, you think I deviated from what I talked about a while ago. I, I, I didn't. Because... When you're talking to someone about the Lord, what you're really talking to them about is their will. Genesis chapter 11, go over there. How powerful is the will of a person? It is very, very powerful. It, 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 for good or bad. It, um, even God takes note of what you say you will do. Uh, Genesis 11.1, 1, the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there, and they said to one another, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and asphalt for mortar, and they said, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the whole earth. God told them to go all over the earth. He told them not to stay in one spot. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing they purpose to do will, will be withhold from them. Now listen to this statement. Listen to the power of what he said. I think it's King James says this. Nothing they imagined is impossible to them. That's, a, that's an incredible statement. Not, God said this about people, and these are sinners. Nothing that you can get in your imagination is impossible for you to make it come to pass. I'm just going to slow down a minute. I've said this before, and I need to say it again. I remember when I was a boy, the only person that had a... a, a cell phone was Dick Tracy. It was in his watch and that was cool. Nobody on the planet had the ability to talk to someone else without there being a line hooked to it. But Dick Tracy was a really cool guy. Now every kid in America talks to people everywhere without a line or a cord on them. What happened? imagined it. Now, I know y'all are sitting there and you're trying to figure this out a little bit, but don't, don't, listen. Now, li listen to what I'm about to say because I'm going to go positive in a few minutes and I want to show you something about the power of your will. Because when we leave here today, what I want to get you to do is, is I will walk with God. I will know his will. I will walk in health. You understand? Uh, this is where I'm going. I'm trying to get you there. I want you to go with me. 
you can will things. You're sitting around, I'm just waiting on God. No, they weren't waiting on God. Nothing that a human has ever, when you imagine it, something takes place that causes that to start coming. The knowledge, whatever it is, whatever it is, you're drawing it to yourself. Now, we're talking good or bad, right? But in a minute, let's go good. Does anybody want to go good? You guys want to go good? I I can't hardly get anybody over here. Listen. See, me and Zach were talking a while ago about trucks. It's amazing how powerful I will. I will start a business. I will. Now, see, don't go negative on me here where, well, you can't say that. James said don't say that. Well, then say, Father God, whatever it is you will, I'm willing to change if that's not your will. But if I don't know your will, then I'm saying in Jesus' name, my business is going to prosper. And I have the wisdom of God to make it prosper. And I have the ability to do this job in Jesus' name. And I will be a good husband. And I will be a good wife. And I will be a good person. And I will walk with God. And I will be full of the Holy Ghost. And I will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What I'm trying to get you to see is that you've got to make the will first. Do y'all see that? I, I took off on this whole negative thing to come around to show you that a sinner can stop the will of God. A sinner can change things in their future. How much more a born-again Christian who walks with God determined beforehand what he will do. If you don't like your life, change it. Okay. Uh, uh, Oh, y'all getting this? Okay, say I'm getting it. Um, in verse seven says, let's go down to confuse your language. So we got to stop this. Go, go to numbers 13 and let's one more time talk about, because in the world today, the biggest heresy on the earth is that God is running everything and whatever happens is somehow or another secretly God's will. Now, now, my statement right now separated me from 90% of the pastors you've ever met. Because every one of them say, well, you never know what the Lord will do. As though God is kind of secretly running everything without you knowing it. You know, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Well, the future's not mine to see. Que sera, sera. That's a lie. Doris Day is a false prophet. There's no que sera, sera. So, so, okay. Numbers 13 Let's go to verse 1. I didn't ask her to put this down, but I want to read this. And the Lord said to Moses, Since that and spy out the land of Canaan, I am giving them it to the children of Israel. What's he doing? Say he's giving it to them. All right, verse 25. And they returned from spying out the land 40 days, and they came back, and blah, 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 blah. This, is the, this is it. This is the grapes. Everything looks good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses, said, Let's go at once, take possession. We're well able. And the men said, We're not able. For they're stronger than we are. And they gave the children a bad report. And they spied out the land. The land in which Gon spied out. And it says, and we, verse 33, we saw the giants of Anak there. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. I'm a grasshopper. Oh, grasshopper. So who told you you were a grasshopper? Well, God didn't tell you you were a grasshopper. But that's what they said they see. And they, they, they said, we're not going in. Wait a minute. God said, you're going in. They said, we're not. Who won? They did. 
Wow. Who's winning? God has awesome things for you. Is he winning or you? You may go, hey, after tonight, I think he's going to think, maybe I better start, whoa, I don't do this. I need to learn how to do this. I'm fixing to show you how to do this. All right. Mm. Not sure where to take you right now. So Jesus said, go to Mark eleven twenty three. Let's Let's go. Now, apart from, and, and let's, let's, let's make a distinction here between the two so that you'll understand this. Lord, help me, to, help me to say this so they get it. Let's say I'm playing football and my team is going out on the field. I really can't say we're going to win tonight. There's a lot of other people playing this game. I, don't, I can't say we are going to win tonight. But I can say I will give it 100%. Can't you? You can determine what you're going to do. And if you can get the other guys on the team to do the same, you will win the game. So when you come back to, let's, let's, let me clarify something. I told the Lord, I'm going to be an evangelist. Well, it didn't happen. There's a lot of things I told the Lord and it didn't happen. Because there is a will of God for my life. And I don't get to choose that. But then there's other things that were given to me because of Jesus. Victory, healing. Okay, those are the things that I want you to focus on. What belongs to you already because of Jesus. Do you have a say-so in it? Do you, where, are you, where you are today and where you're going tomorrow has everything to do with what you're saying. Yes. Joshua and Caleb, we're well able. In other words, you're going in, I'm going in. I'll live and not die. The other guy said, we're going to die. We ain't going in. All right, Mark eleven twenty three, which has been a... People, people have not understood this, and they make a joke about it, and I'll explain that. Jesus said, all right, let's go back up. Let's go back up. Yeah, where do I want to read? Let's start with verse 12. Next day when they came out of Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he'd find something on it. And he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, and it was not the season for figs. And in response, Jesus said to it, in response... He responded to something the fig tree said. You ever had a tree speak to you? I'd like a tomato. And it goes, "Uh uh-uh. Really? You see, life is talking to you. You need to respond. It's telling you what will and will not happen. And I'm showing you, you decide that. You and I decide that. The Bible says the Holy God gave us the Holy Ghost so we would know his will. When do you start knowing his will? When you say, I will know his will. You have just set in motion whatever it takes for the Holy Ghost to show you the will of God. Not, oh God, what is your will? But I, I know the will of God. I, I will be a good pastor. I will hear from God. I will walk in the anointing. I will lay hands. I will. I will. Now, I'm not, bra- now, not, now I, I'm not bragging on me. I'm not, I'm not outside of my scope of I will be the president of the United States. That's, I probably won't be, you know, because that's not, that's not in the promise box. You understand? He said, you can have what you say. Jesus said, you have what you say. But everything that's happening to you in life 
has begun with your will. You heard about Jesus. Someone came to you and said, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And Catherine said, I will. Didn't she? Everything changed that day. Didn't it? And all that, all right, let's, let's talk about another one. Let's talk about another one. May the 3rd, 1986, there was this beautiful woman walking down the aisle and, and her father brought her up to me and I'm waiting to do you Daryl, take Lisa, are y'all going where I'm going, to be your wife, to love her. When did everything change? When my will got involved. I didn't get up there and go, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Mary is God. Oh, Mary is Jesus. Oh, God. She looked at me and said, I think I'll find someone else and just leave. Are y'all getting this? How powerful were my words? Very, I will. When the Lord said, Do you, will you go and will you follow me? And I'm going to tell you the story. I'm going to tell you the story right now because how powerful God needs your will. When I, when I was a youth pastor, and I'm, and I'm going to get a little personal right now with me. When you, when you go to Bible school and you've given Jesus everything and you lose your wife, your children, and you're asked to leave the church, it does not appear as though the Bible is working for you very well. Am I right? So nothing I've imagined, I mean, my whole life fell apart. It wasn't God's fault. And so... I went, I went to work, and I'm waiting on the Lord. I think I'm waiting on the Lord. One more time. I'm just, I think I'm waiting on the Lord. And I told Lisa, I'm waiting on the Lord. And I'm in my truck, and I'm driving down the road one day, and the Lord said to me, when are you going to do what I want you to do? And he acts like he's waiting on me. I'm preaching better than y'all, amen, but y'all are listening. And I said, what do you want me to do? And he said, I'm not going to tell you. And I said, well, I don't know unless you tell me. He said, I want you to tell me you will do it. I said, no. I said, the last time I said to you, that to you, it cost me more than I wanted to pay. It's quiet in this Baptist church. And then he said these words, trust me. I know you have a wife. I know you have a family. Trust me. And that was the day I bowed over my steering wheel and said, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. What was he waiting on? My will. What is he waiting on with everybody on the planet? His will. Your will. Wherever you are right now, good, bad, or ugly, you're stopping it. Or good. You're causing it to happen. Y'all getting this? this? I know this sounds overly simplified because I came around the back door here and showed you how even sinners can use their will against God and how people not even saved can use their will against God and how you and I can. Well, what happens when we say, I will walk in the Spirit? You will. I'm going to tell you, that's the day you will start. Not, I will try, God. Don't ever do that. I'll try. God, 
Are you going to live right? I'll try. You won't. No, you're not. You, you've, you've created a loophole. So let's come back here to the wedding. I'm going to show you something. Daryl, do you take Lisa to be your wife, to be a husband to her? I'm going to try. Does it work? No. I just gave myself an out. I am preaching real good tonight. So the Lord showed me this when I woke up the other morning. He said, the most powerful words that will ever escape your lips, I will. I will do it. I will lay hands on the sick. I will hear his voice. I will obey. I will fulfill the call of God that's on my life. Now, let me help you all with something. You don't have to cry over an altar for an hour. As a matter of fact, let me just pretend like I've got my back to you. Oh, God. Take the cigarettes. Oh, God. And take the bad words. Oh, God. Stop the bad thinking. Oh, shut up. What are you doing? You're, you're, you're trying to get God to violate your will. He's not going to violate your will. So let's come back to the altar. Heavenly Father, after tonight, I'm sitting here and I'm going to tell you, I will straighten up my mouth. Heavenly Father, I will clean up my mind. Heavenly Father, I will stop smoking them nasty cigarettes in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Now you're praying. Amen. Now you stepped into victory. Amen. Isn't that a powerful? Yes. Two most powerful words. I will. Or I won't. And you answer them every day. Amen. Surely I say to you, whoever says this mountain be removed, cast and sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will be done, he has what he says. Has what you say, has what you say, and have what you say, and you have what you say. Jesus, they came to him and said, my servant's lying at home sick. And he said, I will come heal him. Well, you can't get any more powerful than that. He did not leave. The only when you say it. Now, we're almost afraid to say it because what happens if something doesn't go right? Do it anyway. I'm going to come over here in a minute. So what happens if I stand here like an idiot? I will love her all the days of my life. And I get home that afternoon and go, dead gum, that was a dumb thing for me to say. I married the wrong woman. Lord have mercy. You'll... You will never, you'll never have a marriage that works until you've determined, I will have a good marriage. And you'll never understand the Bible until you open it and go, I will understand this book. I will hear from God. I will. I will do this. Now, y'all getting this? I mean, some of y'all have even started mumbling it under your breath. And, and, and all of a sudden, I mean, let me ask you, it's like a power. <laughs> I will. I will increase. I will see more people saved in Honduras. I will have the money. Now, you, you understand, I'm not asking you to create it. I'm just asking you to get your will involved. Now, I got to tell you a stupid story. 
It's just because I'm out of time and I got five minutes left. I got to waste. I got to use this time up. I can't give it to you. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland was up in uh, getting his pilot's license when he, you know, when he was a kid. And uh, they were up over uh, Texas someplace or someplace where he was flying. And the engine quit. And uh, it was a real McCoy. I mean, it really quit. And Kenneth looked at the instructor and said, what are we going to do? He said, well, we're going to land. We don't have any choice. <laughs> come on, I'm going to come over here and put y'all here. <laughs> when you got in the plane, you committed yourself to live. Yes. Dying's not an option. Like, oh, heck, this is it. Let's just die, you know. No, you know you're going to land. What are we going to do? Well, what else, there, what else is there to do? A friend of mine named Bill one time uh, had his um, lines freeze up over Colorado in an Aztec twin-engine airplane, and he landed it on a back road. Oh, what do you do? You take it apart and load it in a, in a semi and take it out of there. You can't get it back out, but... When you get an airplane, you're committing yourself. If you're up, you're committed to come down. And today, it seems like people are scared of commitment. And then without it, you're not going anywhere. You're just going to sit around waiting there. Whatever happens, Pastor, I don't know what the Lord, whatever happens to me, just come along, you know, right there. And we're just waiting on something. I'm waiting on my ship to come in. Well, let me help you with something. If you're waiting on your ship to come in, why don't you swim out to it? <laughs> Say, I will. I will. Say, I will to will. will, to will. Say, I will not try. I will. I will walk with God. I will hear his voice. I will obey him. I will receive from him. I will do what he shows me to do. I will have victory. I will be victorious. I will. Now you understand when you say that doesn't mean everything's going right. Can I tell you one more story since we have two minutes? <laughs> you remember the night Jesus is walking uh, on the sea? But before that, he puts a guy in the boats, and they get in the boat, and he says, let's go where? To the other side. To the other side. He didn't say, let's go drown. No. <laughs> he didn't say, let's try. Right. He said, we're going to the other side. Yeah. They get out there, and a storm comes up, and they're falling apart. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. I think his words created the avenue for them to get through the danger before they got in the danger. Your words does not stop problems, but they give you the resources to go. Isn't that a powerful? That's good, is that? If you own a business, you can speak to it. I will be a good business owner. I will do well. What I put my hand to will prosper. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. I will. I'll be a good mom. I'll be a good father. I will be a good Christian. I will walk with God. Now, the world would sit there and look at me and take, well, that's just a bunch of uh, uh, positive thinking. No, it's more than that. You got saved saying it. You got married saying it. And everything else you want in life starts with your will. And you saying it. Isn't that good? Yeah. I've had situations where I didn't know what to do. I don't know, but I will make it through it. I will find the answer. And when I said it, answer started coming. Isn't that crazy? 
How's it happen? I don't know. I have no idea how it happens. I will find those car keys. Yes. <laughs> Do y'all see that? It's, come on, this is the best preaching I've done all day. One second, two seconds, I'm done. Don't forget, Justin needs your help. You ready to pray? Heavenly Father, what an awesome word. You said, I shall. You, you prayed in the garden, Father, you're not my will, but yours. But yet you said yes to the will of God. And you said, I will rise again. And you prophesied your future. Father, we will rise again. We will walk with you. Our best days are ahead. We will, we will have a good life. We will in Jesus' name. I pray for boldness over everybody in this room right now. That they'll walk out of this building tonight with a brand new mouth. Talking about what they're going to do. And I'm not talking about in their own strength. Bragging on how they're bigger than God. I'm not talking about that. That's what Satan did. I'm talking about with your help. You said that you said that you meet all of our needs according to your riches. So we can say, yes, I will prosper. You said you're our healer. So we can say, yes, I will receive my healing. And I will. I will with long life. I will live long on the earth. I will. And Father, we're talking about the things that you've given to us. And yet tonight we're putting our will in, 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 in order and just speaking out what you said and learning how to use your word and our will to see your will come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to www.wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.